Colossians chapter number 3 this morning. Colossians chapter number 3. And if you're able to this morning, out of respect for the Word of God, let's stand for the reading of the Scriptures. Colossians chapter number 3. And uh, we've been uh, sharing many things. If you look here for a second, uh, we are right around the corner from our vacation Bible school. And we have some of these invitations on the tables out there. If you know of any children from the ages of uh, four years of age through sixth grade, June 24th through the 28th, if you want to take some of these and give these out, and uh, if you will instruct them, all the information's on here, if you just hand it to them, they can go to our banner on our website, and they can actually pre-register for Vacation Bible School. It's going to be a great week. It's called Farm Fresh Faith. We're going to have, anybody ever been to a barn raising? Three of us. And uh, we're going to have a barn raising because the theme is, it revolves around uh, this farm fresh faith. A whole week is going to be spent teaching boys and girls about our faithful God. And it's going to center around the Bible character known as Joseph. And so there'll be five nights, Monday through Friday, be a lot of fun, games, crafts, all types of things. But the most important thing is that we'll be sharing the Word of God with these boys and girls. So if you want any children to have at least one week this summer that is meaningful, because the whole rest of the time they're going to spend playing video games and sitting on the couch and sleeping, invite them to come and be a part of our Vacation Bible School. So don't forget that, all right? And there's information on the back about another event, our junior camp. And so I wanted to let you know about that. Grab some of those invitations. Give them out to anyone that you're aware of. We're looking forward to God blessing that, all right? This morning, Colossians chapter 3, we're continuing our series Sunday mornings on new life in Christ. How many of you have new life? All right, so look here. You need to let your face show it, all right? If you're saved this morning then we need to be excited about the new life that we have, and that new life is in Christ. We're continuing our series, and we're in Colossians chapter 3, and the first four verses is what we'll read for our text this morning. And if you're, if you're not normally with us, uh, I like to preach what I call expositorially. That means that we'll preach right through these four verses this morning, and if you received an outline this morning, you'll be able to follow along with many verses that go along with our scripture this morning. So Colossians 3, verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Aren't those some great verses this morning? I'm going to tell you something. I'm so excited. You know, I'm just like a kid in a candy store this morning. I can't wait to get started. So you pray for me that I'll be done before three o'clock this afternoon. All right. We're going to have a great time this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you that we were dead in our sins, but we're alive in you today. If there is someone this morning that does not know you as their Savior, Lord, I pray today that you'd speak to their hearts and help them to understand their need to, to have you in their life, to be your, their Savior. Lord Jesus, you gave your life, those scars that we just heard sung about, 
were all because you willingly gave yourself. You were the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. You came to take away our sins. Lord, I pray that you'd bless your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. When I think about this passage that's before us this morning, and I think about the new life affection, that word that is mentioned in these verses, the word affection, a lot of us are very affectionate about many things. Uh, there are people that get very excited about things, and, and, and you know how, how excited they are, how much you love something by the amount of time that they actually spend doing whatever that may be. Some of you might recognize this, this basketball player, Steph Curry, uh, the Golden State Warriors, a uh, big man that plays on the team, and they're, they're in the playoffs, and, and some of you right now are like, oh, I never heard of him. Well, that shows right there where your affection is not. But some of you are like, oh, yeah, great ball player, one of my favorites, you know. And, and this man, I was, I was reading that he actually practices basketball on the court four hours a day minimum. Four hours every day of his life, he's on the basketball court practicing basketball. I guess you could say he loves the sport of basketball. This next person that many of you probably have seen, Jay Leno, uh, a TV personality, uh, a, a comedian or whatever you want to call him, but he's standing here with these automobiles. Those are just a few of Jay Leno's 130 vintage automobiles. He also owns over 100 motorcycles. He has spent over $50 million on automobiles and motorcycles. I would say that he, his affection is on those types of things in his life. But the Bible tells us in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The question this morning is, where's your heart? What is your heart affectionate about today in your life? Some people get very affectionate about sports, like this next slide. You ever seen these people before? Cheeseheads. I mean, what would cause grown people to go sit in the frozen tundra and watch these football games with this chunk of cheese on top of their head. I mean, these people are definitely Green Bay Packers fans. Now, some of you are like, well, I didn't know that. Again, that shows where your affection is not. I was also reading this week as God was just directing me on this passage in Colossians 3 this morning, and I came across a, an interesting article about this uh, UCLA softball player by the name of Stevie Witz. And you see her there, you probably haven't heard the name, but she plays for the Bruins, of the UCLA uh, ladies softball team. And I read an article about Stevie this week, and, and the article said that Stevie, when she was very, very little, she was an infant, she had a major heart surgery uh, and, and it, it corrected some things, uh, problems with her heart, but she, throughout her life up to this point, has been going to doctor visit and, and, and procedure, this and that, one thing after another, and, and it came across her attention, her and her parents, that currently she needs another surgery on her, on her heart, and the doctor told her, Stevie, if you don't get this surgery, it could be life-ending. And so she had a decision to make. 
and she honestly decided that she was going to put her life-threatening surgery on hold until the UCLA Bruins ladies softball team has a chance to win the Women's Collegiate World Series. She decided that is more important. And so right now her schedule, and I don't know how many games are into it right now, but, but her schedule is, is that that championship will take place if they end up in it between June the 3rd and June the 5th. And if they make it through that, then, then her next thing scheduled is college graduation on June the 13th. And then she will have her open heart surgery to replace the pulmonary valve to her aorta that's scheduled on June 21st. It's amazing what people will do with their life, realizing what is affectionate towards them, where their affections lie. When you think about somebody like this, I think about how so many today, where their affections are. See, when you have new life in Christ, your affections change. I've told uh, many people this that I've discipled and talked to over the years, but I was one of those people that I would watch uh, pro football whenever it's, it's football season. I would watch, and where we grew up in the Midwest, they would have two games. This was, I'm dating myself, this was before Thursday night football. This was before Saturday night football. They had it on Sunday, and they did have a Monday night game. I would, I would come home from church. I, I had been saved just a short amount of time. I'd watch the game that started at 12 o'clock. I'd watch it from 12 to 3, and then I'd change to another channel, and I'd watch the second game from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock, and I was praying that it didn't go over into overtime. Because if it went into overtime, then I was faced with a major decision. Was I going to be late for Sunday night church? And so a lot of times I would do that. After I started to grow in the Lord and the new life that I had in Christ, I can't remember the last time that I actually sat and watched an entire NFL football game from start to finish. Now, it's not that I don't like it. It's not that it's not something that I'm still passionate about. I'm not going to wear a cheese head. But here's the thing is, is that I have too many things to do that matter now, things for the Lord that those things to me don't hold what they used to. I hope you understand this morning that the things of this world, according to the songwriter, they will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. One of the individuals that I, I got to be friends with years ago, and we've just stayed a, a, a kind of acquaintances over the years, is a man that's just a little bit older than me by the name of, of Randy Epperson. Randy Epperson uh, decided that uh, he was going to ride his bicycle from California to Florida. And he wasn't doing it because he likes bike riding. He was going to ride seven states, 3,000 miles for a Christian boy's home known as the Bedford Boy's Home. And I followed Randy as he posted every day. He was by himself riding his bicycle alongside of the highway. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you something. The man's a man of great faith. I would not ride a bicycle along any highway. And here he is, he rides this bicycle, he, he slept in a tent, and he, he just had meager provisions for 52 days. 
he rode his bicycle, he averaged 65 miles a day. I would say that it's easy to tell that Randy's affections are different than those of, say, Jay Leno or Steph Curry because Randy thought this is a cause, a reason, an affection worth living for. And this morning, I want you to think about what Paul is saying because, uh, as the song says, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. And so as we think about that, we think about Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, where God helps us understand that now that we are in Christ, we have new life in Christ, that we ought to have a new perspective on life. And it all begins, notice, with understanding the position of the new life. According to the Bible here in this passage in verse 3, it says, Ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Notice, we're dead to the old life, according to the scriptures. The Bible says that we are now in Christ. The old lust, the old cares of this world are dead also. The Bible says in Romans 6, 11, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, some of you may have heard of this individual, maybe not, but there was an old preacher years ago by the name of Lester Roloff. Anybody ever heard of Lester Roloff? And a few people have. Lester Roloff was a tremendous preacher of the Word of God, and he, he did much for uh, people that were struggling with all types of things, the Roloff home and so on. But because of his strong stand on the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God and the perspective God gave him when God saved him, that Lester oftentimes found himself with legal battles. He found himself in court many times. He found himself being opposed by ungodly and wicked people that did not want to see what he was about, what he was doing for God to, to continue, and so they were opposing him. And Lester Roloff one day was in the witness stand. He was being accused of doing some things that to those that opposed him were wrong. And so Lester was, they, the people watched him with great anticipation and, and amazement at how he handled the situation, uh, how he sat there and was demeaned for about an hour. I mean, one thing after another after another. And, and everything they said about him was so derogatory, and most of it, if not all of it, was not even true. And he sat there and he listened and he never said a word. He never responded in kind. He went, Like Jesus, when he was reviled, he didn't revile back. And he sat there for all that time. And, and afterward, one of, them, one of the lawyers said, well, how can you just sit there and be demeaned like that hour after hour? And I think that Lester Roloff probably had Romans 6.11 memorized. Because here's what he said. His response was, you can't offend a dead man. You can't hurt somebody that is dead. And you need to understand this morning, if you have new life in Christ, According to the Bible here this morning, you are dead to the old life. God crucified your anger and God crucified the lust of your life and the bitterness and whatever it may be on the cross of Jesus Christ. But we do understand that as long as we're in the flesh, there's always going to be a tendency for a new believer to be drawn back into the old way of life. See, the world keeps calling and the flesh keeps drawing us. It's amazing. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 
And two, what shall we say then? That's a rhetorical question. Paul writes, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we, what's that next phrase that are what? Dead to sin, live any longer therein. Folks, look, if you're saved this morning and you're struggling this morning, the reason you're struggling is because you don't realize that you're dead, your old life has been crucified with Christ, and he says, shall we continue in sin? And and he says here, God forbid. He says, we that are dead to sin should not live any longer or give in to that old lifestyle. Why? Because we are dead to the old life. But then notice he says in verse 1, We are risen in Christ. Yes, we're dead to the old life, but we are risen. Look at verse number one again. If ye then be risen with Christ. See, we've entered into Christ's death, his resurrection. Uh, this, This matter of salvation is when it all took place in our lives. We need to live with the reality that we are living a crucified and a resurrected life. We need to recognize that we are dead to sin, but we are risen in Christ. There was a man that went up to a pastor after church, and he says to this pastor, and he was trying to be nice, but he says, you know, he says, uh, pastor, you've got to do something about your sermons. I know some of you have been thinking the same thing. But this man said to the pastor, he says, I know you're busy. He says, but every time I come to hear you speak, you speak on the exact same topic. And the pastor was as kind as he could be. He says, well, brother, he says, that's because the only time you come is on Easter. (laughs) What is Easter? Easter is the time we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you think about this, listen, every day for a child of God should be resurrection day. Every day you should say, hey, I'm alive today because of what Jesus did for me. He died and gave me new life And and every day of our lives. Instead, many times I see Christians walking around looking like they've been sucking on sour pickles. You know, sad and, and not happy. The joy of the Lord is not there. But every day we should realize that we have new life. If you look at verse number one again, look at what's the first word in chapter number three? What is it? Come on, say it out loud. What is it? If. Now that's a conditional word there. Now I want you to see this word here because he says, if ye then be risen. Now he's stating here, is, here's what he's saying is, now that you are saved, If you're here this morning and you put your faith in Lord Jesus Christ and you're trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, then according to the Bible, you are risen in Christ. And what he says here is the same thing Paul was saying in Galatians 2.20. Paul says there, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Look, he's been crucified. Yes, the, the old life has been crucified, but he says, look, Yes, that has happened, but he says, I still live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, if you're saved this morning, just like me this morning, you and I are citizens of a coming kingdom. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together 
in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Bible says back here in verse number one, look at it in your text. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Now look at these words. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. The Bible says Jesus is sitting where? And where is the right hand of God today? He's in heaven. Jesus is already there. See, we are risen, and because of what Jesus did, the Bible says that right now, not someday, according to the Bible, we are already seated in the heavenlies, all because we have been resurrected with the Lord. And so we understand this morning the position of the new life, that we are dead to the old life, but we are risen in Christ. Can I get an amen this morning? Listen, I hope you understand you have new life this morning, and it's not because of anything you did, it's because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. See, we, we understand this morning the position of the new life, but then notice, secondly, the passion of this new life. Now, look, look back in verse number one again. He says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. See, we are to seek the heavenly. The word seek there means that we're to aim at, we're to strive after, or to crave. God is saying that if you are one of my children this morning, and the word the Bible uses is Christian. If you're one of my children, God says, your life should be spent seeking after me, craving after me, wanting to be more like me. See, that's what the word Christian means, to be like Christ. And as we think about this, he says, seek the heavenly. God's telling us to crave him. Look in Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first, before everything else in your life, before anything else in this world, before your family, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But many times, here's what we do. We put the cart before the horse. We're worried about this, and we want to take care of this, and we got to make sure our 401k is all in. God says, no, no, no. You seek me first and my righteousness. And he says, all these other things, they'll take care of themselves. He says, look, I can handle all those things, but you must first seek that which is above. Notice he says the words here, on things above. See, now that we're saved... God says, I want your life to be a life of spiritual pursuits. I mean, we're pursuing all kinds of things. Steph Curry, he's trying to win another championship. You know, you think about Jay Leno, he wants to buy another car. You think about all these people, Stevie, before she has that surgery and before she graduates from college, she wants to win that, that, that collegiate World Series. Hey, folks, look, we're pursuing after all kinds of things, but if you're a child of God this morning, then if he has saved you, your pursuit should be spiritual things and not things of this earth. But see, many times that's what we do. We spend our days seeking after the... Look, folks, you can't take it with you when you go. We might as well spend our lives on that which matters to God. And I want you to think about this because as we set our affections on things above, and we talk about that, when we talk about, okay, set my affections on the heavenly, what does that mean, pastor? Pastor? What are some things that I can spend my life 
in a spiritual pursuit of? Well, I'm glad you asked this morning. Let me give you a couple things that you have in your outline there. The first one is we need to have a pursuit of a daily walk with God. This goes all the way back to where God himself in the garden wanted to have time with us. And notice that as we have a daily walk with God, the Bible says in Psalm 42, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Do you get up in the morning and have a walk with God? Do you spend your day walking with God? That's a spiritual pursuit. Not only having a daily walk with God, but having eternal values. Again, go back to Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hey, listen, folks, there's nothing more important even it, 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 when you think about it than life itself. I'm going to tell you, as you think about, and, and I'm not endorsing anything, I'm not, I'm not trying to sway somebody this morning, but you watch how this whole thing is playing out because the, the subject of abortion has come back up to the surface again. And, and as, as we head into another presidential election, can I tell you, only look at candidates that value life because God values life. He's the originator we saw last week of life, that in him is life. That's what the passage says here this morning. And as we think about pursuing things, spiritual pursuits, we need to make sure that we're pursuing things that have eternal value. Notice another pursuit is having a spiritual mind. The Bible says in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in where? Christ Jesus. Now again, I don't necessarily like the, you know, the way it was used sometimes, but it's a good thing to get in the habit when you're going to do something to say as you're starting to pursue something, what would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus say about this? Would Jesus be here? Would he be uh, partaking of something like this? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We need to have a spiritual mind because when we have a spiritual mind, guess what we're going to be minding? Spiritual things. So we need to be pursuing the right things. Look at the fourth thing. If we're going to pursue the heavenly things, the spiritual things, in this area of giving or stewardship, oftentimes the Bible says in the Word of God is that we are to be faithful in our stewardship. Look at Matthew 6, 20. The Bible says, lay up for yourselves treasures where? In Fort Knox, in your local bank, you know, in your backyard, in mason jars. I, I, wherever it is, hey, think about this. We, if we are saved this morning, if we are alive in Christ, we have new life. He says, look, you need to understand this area of giving and lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. See, we don't, when we give, as we did this morning, I don't give to the church. I give to the Lord through the church. That's God's plan. The Bible says upon the first day of the week, that's Sunday, Bring all, the, all your tithes into the storehouse. That's the church house. See, God has designed uh, his work and this matter. And a lot of times people understand and been taught various things about giving and money and so on. Look, can I tell you this morning, God doesn't need your money. God wants your obedience. See, God wants us to be a part of his work. It's an eternal work. Well, how do we do that? Through giving. God meets the needs as we give. And then here's another spiritual pursuit is this matter of souls. Do you realize that you and the people who are sitting around you and your neighbors and your family and your friends and your co-workers, everyone is going to spend eternity somewhere. And when we start to think that way, 
then we just might start telling people about the Lord Jesus. You see, folks, I'm going to tell you that every one of us ought to have the spiritual pursuit of telling people that there is a real heaven and that there is a real hell and that they will spend eternity in one of those two places. And what's going to make the difference is what they do with Jesus. And so as we think about this, God says, look, I want you to be passionate in this new life. And the way that you can be passionate is to seek the heavenly. But notice also, we need to be settled on the heavenly. Look at verse number two in first Colossians chapter three there. He says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. You see, where are your affections today? Where are they set? You can tell when somebody really loves something, you can watch them and, and see what they love. The question this morning is, as people watch your life, what would they say if somebody says, hey, what do you think so-and-so really loves? Well, they could probably answer that because they could watch your life and they could see what you give your time and you give your money and you give all these other things to because that is where your affection is. And the question is, where are your affections today? Where is Jesus in that list of your affections? I hope he's at the top of the list because the Bible says that we need to set our affections on things above. There's a lot of people that are affectionate about Facebook, but they're not affectionate about putting their face in his book. So we need to spend time in the word of God, knowing the mind and the heart and the will of God. And see, the, the, the question, if you have children, is this, do your children see you watching maybe a sports event and shouting and, and stomping and, and doing all these kinds of, wearing a cheese head, and then they see you coming to church and see you almost falling asleep during the message? You see, it's important because people are watching our lives. Are we settling on the heavenly? The, the, the word set means to focus your mind. It means to, to stay attuned to the spiritual. Now, I'm just going to say this, and we, we talk a lot of times as a staff. We're living in a day where not just children, but adults spend their days playing video games and all kinds of electronic things. And what's happened is, is that <clears throat> the average family sits down at the TV uh, table, if they do sit down at the table, and they sit down to have a meal, and every one of them sits down with some electronic device. There's no conversation. There's no discussion. They're eating while they're busy doing whatever it is. We've talked many times, because listen, folks, the, the church has a hard time competing with the world. You know, everything's electronic. People's, uh, people's attention span is as long as my pinky. You know, I, I've talked to Brother Kenny and Brother Chris because, you know, you can't get up and teach for like, uh, you know, 30, 40 minutes if you've got teenagers or children. You, you, it, we've almost come to this day where you have to entertain because they're setting their affections on the things of this earth. And as we think about this, look what it says as Paul writes to those in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. Now you understand, that which is temporary and that which is going to last forever. 
See, the things of God are going to last forever. But the things of this world, they change every day. They're decaying. They're, they're passing away. God wants us to keep our focus on that which is eternal. And that's why we give our time to matters like witnessing and telling people about the Lord. That's why we give. That's why we send missionaries, because we are, we are investing in that which is eternal. We're, we're thinking about eternity, where they will spend eternity. And we need to set our affection on things that will last forever. Things don't last forever. It's amazing how things pass away. And God says, look, you need to have a passion now that you have this new life. And the way that you do that is to seek the heavenly and to settle on the heavenly. But then notice thirdly, as Paul writes here to those in Colossae, he talks about the prize of the new life. Now, people love prizes, don't they? You know, if I had something to give out this morning, we'd probably have a bigger crowd, you know? Sometimes when we'll have a big children's event, we might, we might have some grand prize that we'll give out to maybe the person that brings the most visitors or something. And a lot of times it's, it's, it's just a lame little piece of plastic, but people love prizes. My mom, she got me hooked years ago on a show called The Price is Right. Anybody else got hooked on that? That big stupid wheel and all that? Bob Barker, have your pet spayed and neutered and all that type of stuff, you know? And, and, and I, was, I was just out of curiosity, the Price is Right has been running for 47 years. The truth is, it actually started as another show that started, I think it was like nine years before that. But I, I thought, I'm going to look through there. They've, they've run 8,000 shows. 8,000. I was looking through, and I, I couldn't remember what it was, but it, the, 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 the amount of prizes that they gave away, the cash value was unbelievable. People love prizes. And when I think about the new life, people want to know sometimes, look, if I'm going to give my life to seek God and to seek the heavenlies, and I'm going to live my life uh, with an affection towards the things of God, what am I going to get out of it? What's the prize going to be? That's a fair question sometimes. You think about what would happen if I did that. Well, listen, as you think about this, we do what we do out of our love for the Lord, out of what He's done for us. Look at verse number 4. In Colossians 3, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying, first of all, that the prize in this present time is Jesus. He is our life. That's what the Bible says here. Now, Jesus doesn't just give life. He is life this morning. And we need to understand that. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. That's what Paul wanted for his life. Paul wanted there to be a visible presence of Jesus to be seen in his body. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians as he writes there, What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? He says, you've been bought with a price. In, in Philippians 1, in verse 21, he, Paul says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. See, is Jesus your life this morning, or is he just a part of your life? He wants to be all of your life. Does Jesus get an hour uh, every day in your life, or does, does Jesus get the whole week? 
Do you want to wake up every morning, and I hope you do, thinking about him? Do you think about the Lord throughout the week and throughout the day? I, was, I read this account of a, of a football coach. I'd never heard his name before, but back in 1998, there was a head coach at the age of, 40, 40, age of 49 years of age, Bob Simmons. He was the coach, the head coach of Oklahoma State. And he found out that his kidney was failing and that he needed a kidney transplant. If he didn't get that transplant, he would probably die in two years or less. And so as he found out that news, they began to check he and his wife with the doctor's help as far as what would be his chances. And so he got on a waiting list, but the waiting list was very, very, very long. And so time went on and it was starting to look pretty bleak about what, what he was going to do. And Bob didn't really know what to do, and so his wife came to him, and she said, you know, honey, I've been thinking about this, and she said, I'd like to give you one of my kidneys, and when she told her husband that, he refused, and he, he said, I'm, I'm not going to have you do that. I'm not going to have you put your life in, in danger for my life, and she just, she kept after him. She just kept saying, look, I want to do it not only for you, but I want to do it for the Lord, and so they began to pray, and after much prayer and, and talking to the doctors, they went ahead with the transplant and they went into the operating room uh, almost side by side and they took a kidney from his wife and they put it into uh, Bob and replaced his failing kidney and things went well. After that happened and he got his, his strength, he began to have some press conferences, you know, and they, they wanted to find out how he was doing, how things were going, what it looked like as far as getting back to maybe coaching the team and Every time that Bob spoke about what happened and he started talking about his wife, tears started flowing down his, his face. He just couldn't forget and look past what his wife had done for him. He wanted everyone to know about how he had a loving gift from his wife. But the neat thing was is that although he was appreciative of his wife, he wanted to make sure, and he said it, in, in those interviews on live TV that he wanted God to get the glory out of it. And I thought about Bob's situation there. I thought about my own life. And I think about many Christians. When was the last time that you realized without the sacrifice of Jesus that you would have no life? That your, your life would still be without hope? See, without Jesus and his sacrifice, we just have a mundane existence. We would have an eternity in a place called hell. When's the last time you thanked the Lord Jesus for dying for your sins and giving you hope? You see, this morning, Paul says, if you are in Christ, he is your life. You think about that this morning. The songwriter says, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And he walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am his own. And the joy that we share. Folks, when he is yours and you are in Christ, the joy will be there. The Song of Solomon writer says, my beloved is mine and I am his. Do you have a real relationship with Jesus today? You see, when I think about the prize of new life, in this present time, you know what the prize is? Jesus. It's not a greater prize. Nothing greater in this world than to have the Lord in your life. But Paul also says that the prize in the time to come
says, go back to verse number four. He says, when Christ, who is our life, he's our prize. When he shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. See, the prize is the fellowship with him now. But then it's also that one day when he shall appear, that we shall be with him. 1 Thessalonians 4, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Aren't you looking forward to that day? That's a description of what we oftentimes refer to as the rapture. When all the saints in Christ will be taken away from this world. Listen, the prize is Jesus now, and the prize is in the time to come. Jesus will take all those with him that are his. When you see Jesus, listen, may you never forget the time that you spent, and it wasn't wasted time, time that we spent witnessing for him and giving and attending church services and serving him. You will never regret doing one thing for the Lord. You see, there are folks this morning... There is a real heaven. And those that have new life in Christ, according to this passage, you will spend all of eternity there. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. There's going to be a day, and I know some of you are looking forward to this. There's going to be a day where there'll be no more doctor's visits. There's going to be a day where there's no more blood pressure medicine. There's going to be a day where there's no more cancer treatments. Folks, listen, there is going to be a glorious day where your body, your mortal body, will will, uh, be changed, as the Bible says here, to that which is incorruptible. The, The prize, yes, is Jesus now. But it's also the prize is Jesus then. And what we need to do is stop caring for the things of this earth. And to set our affection on things that are above. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And as I think about this passage this morning, the Bible says that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, that all that in all things that he might have the preeminence. And the passage this morning says, if ye then be risen with Christ, are you saved this morning? And clear evidence of that salvation is this. Where's your affection? Do you wake up in the morning thinking about Jesus? Is it constantly on your mind and heart to thank him for saving you because you were headed to a devil's hell? Are you minding spiritual things? Or are you pursuing the things of this world? You see, you know the answer to all those questions. And I hope that your heart this morning is that you are fixed, you're focused on eternal things. Some of you this morning, maybe this is the first time you're hearing a message like this. And you're asking yourself this morning, and you probably can answer that question. 
Who do I love today? Do I love Jesus or do I love myself? Because if you love Jesus, you're going to spend your time seeking that which is above, setting your affection on things above and not on things on this earth. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, there's a simple way to settle that. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is of God. No pastor, no priest, no one can absolve you of your sins. But Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. That includes yours and mine. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never put your faith in Christ, this morning, why don't, you, why don't you take care of that before it's eternally too late? We're going to give an invitation, a time where you can come, and we'll have someone take the Bible and show you from God's Word how you can know for sure that someday you'll be with the Lord. Jesus is already there, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And if you are saved today, during this invitation, why don't you come? Say, Lord, I haven't been living my life like I'm dead. But I've been reminded today that, yes, I'm dead. I'm crucified with Christ, but I live. I'm risen in Christ. And I'm thankful for the new life that I have. Would you stand with me this morning?